Welcome to the Sweat the Small Stuff podcast. You have just joined a conversation between myself, Ethan, and uh, my cohort, TJ. How are you doing, TJ? I am doing great. Uh, and as as you said, you are listening to the Sweat the Small Stuff podcast. If you find yourself sweating large things, please seek medical attention. And you know, the weather we have right now, uh, it, it, it's not provoking a lot of a lot of sweating, not much humidity going on. It's a lot of rain. Uh, I I experienced all four seasons of weather today, it seems. It started out nice and sunny, then it was cloudy and rainy, and then it started hailing, and then uh, whatever's happening outside right now, I can't really tell, but it sounds scary. There's a, there's a ruckus going on outside my window. We are connected virtually, though, uh, across Portland, um, different sides of the river, if you're familiar with the metropolitan portland geography are we in different uh zip codes yeah, yeah i'm i think uh you're no to... need to i'm not gonna uh, i shouldn't dox. whoa bro whoa bro you doxing i'll bleep that out you you better uh, be bleeping that uh that area code man you don't know what kind of weirdos our, our irish listeners are gonna make quick trips out here to slice us up or something let's just say west side for life you're over there on the beast coast uh i live on the east side which anybody from portland will tell you is the real portland east side or die and Uh, now that i've lived here for six years i could say i'm from here i think yeah yeah no man for sure uh i've been a little in and out but uh not too like a, a year half a year shorter than you i feel like if i add it all together um but hey that's that's enough about our That's enough about us. Lives. Let's talk yeah. about our opinions talk, on things. Talk about the sports atmosphere. Let's talk about practice. Uh, we're talking about we're talking about sports, and uh, wanted to start off with some combat sports, some boxing uh, rumors about an upcoming fight for Ryan Garcia. He's a darling of the boxing sports world. Let's just say that, and uh, we we covered his fight against Luke Campbell uh, a few weeks ago, right at the start of 2021. And now uh, we were talking about him maybe getting a fight going with Tank Davis. He appeared on the Mike Tyson podcast, uh, hyping that up. That seems to have fallen through. Um, But it seems like it fell through because a possible door opened between a fight uh, with Ryan Garcia and, of all people, Manny Pacquiao, the statesman from the Philippines, 42 years old, um, well-known for extremely large fights against Floyd Mayweather, Back in 2015, uh, against uh, Ryan Garcia's manager, uh, Oscar De La Hoya, about 10 years or so ago, uh, 12 years or so ago. And um, he's an old man as far as... uh, He's also a senator of the Philippines. Yeah, I think there's a 20-year age gap here uh, between these two fighters. And uh, Manny Pacquiao hasn't fought since 2019. Uh, I guess he still is a uh, welterweight title holder, but I think he was just forced to drop that belt due to uh, the prolonged gap in his fight history. Um, But still, you know, his last fight was a title defense uh, just over a year ago. So I think he would come in as the favorite for sure if this fight actually materializes. Uh, right now, it's still just in the rumor stages, but it appears that people are agreeing on money, and um, it could happen. 
Uh, I, I think that uh, Pacquiao would be the favorite despite the the 20 year uh, you know age gap him being on the older side. Um, it seems that he has more he's obviously got more clout here and he's gonna make Ryan Garcia go up a little bit. Uh, like I said, I think Ryan Garcia fights at 137 right now or so, 135, and uh, Pacquiao fights at 147, I think. So well, Pacquiao has actually fought in a myriad of weight classes, uh, all the way from light flyweight up to light middleweight. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem that uh, it's very likely that the young fighter, Ryan Garcia, will probably be gaining some weight for this fight, uh, which could act as uh, something that may go in his favor. As we've seen, he's definitely a heavy hitter. And uh, from the few rounds that he did last with uh, Luke Campbell, he's got a chin. If if Ryan Garcia ends up losing this fight, I still think he probably gains more. Just oh, absolutely. He, this is this is a win-win situation. If If he basically doesn't get knocked out in the first round, he will gain so much in terms of uh, respect from the boxing community. Um, and if he somehow wins the fight, then that will cont- that will just keep him on his trajectory as uh, a rising star in the boxing community. Definitely a clout-chasing move, and I've definitely heard as well, I think, on uh, Ryan Garcia's appearance on the Hot Boxing Podcast with Mike Tyson. He's talked about just uh, how much respect he has for Manny Pacquiao. And I guess Pacquiao was like uh, one of the first people that he texted with after the Luke Campbell fight. And Pacquiao gave him some like words of encouragement telling him like, you're the future. So this is definitely a clash of generational stars. The- It'll be interesting to see like the, the press conferences and all the, the hype leading up to this because uh, Ryan Garcia is just a huge he's a shit talker he, he talks he talks <laughs> yeah. a lot of smack uh, not that he's been unable to back it up but now his his next opponent might be one of his heroes so he's going to be coming into this with a completely different attitude uh find a senior citizen out there he's, uh, he's a couple of find an old man out there yeah all right, well, that's our, that's our boxing news. Otherwise, though, in combat sports, we have uh, some news from a retired fighter, uh, Tito Ortiz. He is a former uh, champion in the UFC back in the He mid-2000s. was one of the first real, like, stars of the UFC. Yeah, and he has a, a 30 for 30 documentary out on partially his career and his rise, along with... Uh, Chuck Liddell. Uh, Chuck Liddell, the Iceman. And uh, it's it's a pretty good uh, watch. It definitely paints Tito, I feel like, a little more favorably than perhaps uh, his actual self is, especially with this recent news coming out. So I guess Tito Ortiz currently holds a position in Huntington Beach, California, as uh, the mayor pro tem. I had to Google what that was. I don't know if you're familiar with that position, TJ. Apparently, it's like an acting mayor position where if the current mayor is ever out of office or disabled from his position, this guy would be the mayor. I think otherwise, he's like the mayor's right-hand man. Uh, he's like almost, the vice mayor. Apparently, like Tito kind of ran for this, I think, on a, on a whim. But because he has such a huge name, I guess he's from that area. He his his garnered, name is almost as big as his head. He, the guy has a massive dome. 
does have. That's all I gotta say. He does have a very large cranium. Uh, apparently, he's a, he got a massive amount of votes as well. And not only did he like win by the largest margin in uh, the Huntington Beach community history, but he just got the most votes that they've ever had for any elected office ever. Uh, so celebrity wins sometimes, but. Uh, I don't think it's the leadership that they've been hoping for. Apparently, Tito Ortiz has been very anti-mask throughout this entire pandemic. And he has made numerous media appearances at like Burger Kings and other places around town. He's holding media appearances at Burger King? I don't know if they're like media appearances, but in the article I was looking at it, it said like there are numerous times where he was uh, talking to news outlets out in public, I think glad handing people. Uh, and he was not wearing a mask one time, and his uh, handing out spicy chicken nuggets. Like, what's going on? Yeah, get those happy meals. He actually give uh, me a whopper. Apparently, he got sick uh, coming back from a trip from Las Vegas. I assume for some fight or another, perhaps some uh, some other fun in the Sin City. And I I guess he lamented that he got sick coming back home. And he blames having to wear a mask while he was in Las Vegas on getting sick, uh, that the germs captured inside the mask got him ill. And he said, I'm lucky it's not COVID. So he he blames wearing masks for people getting COVID. And it got to the point where the city council actually met up this past week on whether or not to, to oust him and to do a vote of no confidence. Apparently, he's got a second chance. And uh, they told him this week after this kind of blew up in the national media, like, this is your opportunity. This is your chance to show leadership and why you deserved all those votes. Um, But for the love of God, stop acting against health professionals and, you know, promoting the, you know, that you shouldn't wear a mask, which is absolutely bonkers. And I think this guy should not be holding any office. Um, Yeah. When... When you think about the will of the many, and you realize that sometimes the many just might be wrong, um, you would think people would learn their lessons uh, with respect to electing people who are celebrities, um, for electing people who aren't really qualified for those types of positions. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, Yikes. That's the first uh, thing. That's uh, our political quarter. How how how, uh, how is it possible that that you can trap germs inside a mask, but at the same time, that same mask can't keep germs out? Like it, it can't be both, right? Yeah, it's impossible I... logically for it to be both. And yeah. that is our logic podcast. That's the logic yeah. corner. The, the statement we, we get from the city council uh, was that, quote, unfortunately, Mr. Ortiz has failed to perform at a level expected for this position and has demonstrated little commitment to serving in the role with honor and dignity. His unprofessional demeanor and poor judgment have raised concerns among residents, local business owners, and his fellow council members. Um, apparently, Ortiz did not return requests for comment. So good luck. I wonder what it it's got to be like for I don't know. I guess somebody. I mean, who who are these other? What are these other council people like? It's hard for me to to maybe pass judgment on the type of elected officials in that town when I only know Tito because of his his uh, fighting career. Maybe maybe the rest of these people are dum dums too. I don't know. 
apparently earlier this month, the, the council, they had a city strategic planning meeting and uh, they forced Tito to attend the meeting through Zoom in his car in the parking lot because he was unwilling to wear a mask in the meeting. And he said, quote, I go in for the me meeting and Kim Carr says you can't go in without a mask, Ortiz said in his post. Now I got to do it through Zoom. Great way to start off the new year. Embarrassing. I think it's more embarrassing to like not just put a mask on instead of just, just going out into your car and like doing a, a council meeting in your car. I don't know, man. Oh, and apparently, uh, so it wasn't a Burger King. Uh, after, after that, Ortiz apparently posted on his Instagram page that local eatery TK Burgers would not let him grab a bite to eat unless he wore a mask. And he wrote on Instagram, I'm not wearing a mask. T TK Burger, you lose my business. You lose Huntington Beach's business, he said in the Instagram video. So there you go. Apparently well, before we all start hating on Ortiz and TK Burgers... Uh, I did just pull up an article that he has apologized for his anti-mask criticism of the burger establishment. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, at least we have that. All right, that's that's our rant. Uh, I hope he turns things around. I don't have a lot of confidence. Uh, he seems to. Have very... I, I hope for the people. Uh, I hope for his his constituents that he turns it around. However, I hope for my own like personal entertainment that he doesn't. And uh -huh. things just get even more crazy um, because that's that's the way things are. And that's that, the yeah. way I operate. That's the way the cookie crumbles. That's uh, the way let's, the road. Let's, uh, let's dive into some, some college football action in a, in a way. Uh, so this is an example. You know who loves burgers? College athletes. In college foot athletic news, we've got, I don't know, I was, try, I was trying, I forced it. It was forced. I like I like burgers and I like college football. So no, you you, you were on the right track there. It was uh, college football video game news. Actually. Really, Tito Ortiz did. <laughs> you shrewded it. Uh, 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 so anyway, we're way off, I, off track here. Let's. I don't I don't know if you ever played these games, TJ. Uh, but NCAA football. Uh, and March Madness were were popular were popular video games uh, in. The 2000s, I would say, uh, from 2000 to 2010 was their their prime year. Uh, video games that would center on both college football and college basketball, um, and then they they kind of just disappeared from GameStop shelves. Hey, GameStop mentioned this is the week about GameStop, right? Uh, they they kind of disappeared from shelves, and it's been. Uh, it, they haven't come back. It's been due to a lawsuit from, I think, 2010, O'Bannon versus the NCAA. Uh, and it was uh, essentially saying that, hey, you're, you're putting these college athletes' likenesses on, you know, the, on the video games and you're not paying them anything. And, you know, you can give them just generic numbers and no names on their back all you want, but they were able to prove that in the NCAA football game especially, you could see – uh, plays that were called like the Tebow package for you know a specific play that was run a lot at the University of Florida while Tim Tebow was there and they won the lawsuit the NCAA they had the option to keep doing the, the video games and actually paying the players uh, something for it or just ceasing to produce the video games with the EA Sports altogether 
that's they chose the latter. There haven't been any uh, March Madness video games since 2010, and there haven't been any NCAA football games since 2014. But uh, today that seems to be changing. Adam Schefter posted a tweet uh, saying, all you longtime believers, uh, if you didn't think it was possible, it's coming back. And it looks like they might be changing the names of these video game franchises, but we're getting uh, we're getting college football video games back. So that's my news. It's not something that I played a lot of. Um, I don't really play a lot of sport-based video games, but uh, hey, we neat. we previewed the we previewed the Super Bowl on Madden like two days ago. We did. Uh, Madden had like a free play weekend on Xbox. Yeah, so I mean, cool. this is probably going to be a lot like Madden. Uh, there were a lot of different, you know, there's recruiting involved in the video game for the college level and uh, different things like that, you know, aspects of the schools and stuff. Uh, but it, guessing that it, it, they're going to make this one just kind of a, a different version of Madden, like same play, just different skins, you know, video games speak for the uniforms and stuff. But I'm still excited. I'm still hopeful. Um, and uh, it's coming back. So we'll see about uh, March Madness, though. There's, there's so no was, is there a plan to pay the athletes now? Or are they just having, like, no likenesses now? Let me, uh, let me go. I'm going to guess that they found a way to not pay the athletes. Because I do remember um, some stuff going on in California that I think we talked about uh, around this time last year about athletes being able to receive compensation, financial compensation, while also participating as a as a college athlete. So I guess maybe it's still in flux. I, I guess they're they're still working on this a little bit. Um, let's see. After EA Sports announcement, Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut issued a statement saying that he would introduce legislation to help players finally profit off their talent so they don't need to face continued mistreatment like this. Uh, I'm just getting a lot of that it's still in the beginning of development, uh, building out what direction they want to bring the game into. Um, they've been working on this for apparently over a year now, and uh, I, I can't imagine that they'd be working on it this much if they didn't really think that it could be possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, they wouldn't announce it on Twitter. That's for sure. Yeah. Or have Adam Schefter leak it on Instagram, which is where I found it. They're changing the name from NCAA and they're just going to use EA sports college football. No, no, this ESPN article really doesn't, doesn't dig into it. Uh, but if I can find out that information, I will, uh, let you know, it does kind of give you a weird little time capsule about how long it's been since these, these games were on the shelves. Um, so the, the, the football and the basketball games, they would put like the biggest star from the previous year that, you know, was like the biggest hot shot in college football, college basketball to be the cover athlete the next year. Uh, and the NCAA football 2014, their cover artist, uh, their cover athlete was former Michigan quarterback Denard Robinson. And I don't. No, the last I heard about Denard Robinson, I feel like he was kind of part of the the wildcat craze in the NFL. He was a, drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2013, and then he played with them until 2016, and then took a three-year gap from football and then played for the Atlanta Legends in 2019. So 
Wow, yeah. Um, it, but college basketball, March Madness video game, the last one that came out in 2010, their cover athlete was Blake Griffin, who I think people would say is kind of in the breaking down stages of his career. He's, uh, you know, in his early mid-30s, I feel like, as an NBA player, and uh, he's, he's kind of running out of gas with Detroit. So kind of kind of a crazy time capsule in how long it's been. I hope these comes back these come back. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's probably still some conversations to be had about paying the players, especially if we have senators getting involved with legislation. I don't know. We'll see. Pay them. Pay the players. All right. NFL news. Where? Can you uh, can you introduce the the mega trade that we had in the NFL this week? Big big news in the NFL this week. Matthew Stafford, quarterback, former quarterback of the Detroit Lions, was traded to the Los Angeles Rams for a first-round pick, a second-round pick, I believe a future third-round pick, and former Super Bowl participating quarterback, former first-round pick of the 2016 draft, Jared Goff. Yeah, the big goof. And I think, yeah, I don't know if you said it, it was two first-round picks, I believe, and the third-round pick. Did you say there was another pick involved there, too? It was first two rounds, uh, pardon me, two first rounds and a third-round pick, okay. as well as Goff. Um, obviously, a big part of that trade is the fact that Jared Goff is still owed, I think, tens of millions of dollars still on his contract. Yeah, he just uh, most of which with the Detroit Lions are going to have to pick up. Uh, but at the same time, I believe they are unloading, uh, I think, significantly less of a burden of uh, Matthew Stafford's contract to Los Angeles. Um, so huge ransom is maybe not the right word. A huge, a huge trade, but uh, I think maybe... Maybe worth it. Obviously, it's hard to tell whether or not this trade is going to be seen as a smart decision until we get to next season. But I think by all accounts, I've, I've yet to come across any type of analyst or any type of statement that says that this wasn't a great trade uh, for both teams. It was aggressive for, for the Rams, absolutely. Um, they're, they, don't, they don't like first-round picks, man. I can tell you that. Like They got off by trading into the number one pick in that draft in 2016 and giving up their next like three first round picks and then you know they got Jalen Ramsey like a year ago and they gave up last year's first round pick I believe for that too and like another and they're gonna go from Jared Goff being selected uh back in 2016 and they have not had a first-round pick since then, and they will not, thanks to this trade involving Jared Goff, uh, until 2024. So that's an eight-year period with no first-round picks. They are just using all their capital trying to get a, a Super Bowl. And it kind of tells you what a difference, man, two years two years can make in a quarterback's reputation. Like, you think back to that 2017-2018 Jared Goff, he was lighting it up. Made it he really was. Uh, for the first uh, 12 or so weeks... Of, of that season you know he was in the mvp talks and he, he got a fat contract extension like you just mentioned partly because they were like wow we you know we know you lost the super bowl but you handled yourself so well after it 
uh, when you think with your leadership, you're, we're going to get right back there. Didn't happen, um, but, you know, he's going to keep collecting those paychecks in Detroit. And for Matt Stafford, uh, you know, a lot of people have seen him as kind of a long-suffering, possibly elite quarterback, usually a top 10 quarterback statistics-wise. Um, maybe some of that is garbage points, but uh, you can't say he doesn't like to throw the ball downfield, and that's something that L.A. loves. Uh, I'm not sure that they really have the weapons to do what they're doing. I'm not sure that Matt Stafford's going to magically make them a ton better, but I think he's going to make fewer mistakes than Jared Goff. I agree. Um, I think <laughs> right now the Rams are going to be able to lean to continue to lean on their elite defense. Uh, they had an incredible defense this year, and they should be able to bring most of their big players back next year. So I think they're thinking, what is what is it that we're missing? What's keeping us out of the the championship contention? And uh, I think quarterback obviously is a you know it's the most important position in football, but is it all they need? Is it all? They, is that really the only thing holding them back? It'll be exciting to see. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean they're still a, a good team. I I think they need. Yeah, Matthew Stafford has never won a playoff game. That uh, yeah, I mean hey, I my favorite team is in the NFC North, and I can tell you the Lions have they've just been at the bottom forever, man. Like the, nothing seems to pull them out. Uh, I don't think they're gonna get any better anytime soon. I think we might not see Jared Goff back in the playoffs uh, for at least the next few years. But hey, they got more picks now, so we'll see what. Yeah, they've got Goff, and they've got uh, they've got picks. Who knows? They might be able to pick up a, a nice rookie quarterback in the draft, or uh, who knows? You trade these picks for even more craziness as we move forward. I doubt they go for a quarterback, but you know, I, I don't know. Like, who am I? I'm not a GM. Uh, I wonder what uh, what's going to happen to Jared Goff's mansion in LA, where he's got his little golf course. You know, like with his his yeah. hole in ones carved into his deck. I wouldn't be surprised if he kept it. Like he's a California boy. That's like where he grew up. Was in California. I don't know if it was L.A., but I know he went to Cal. Um, so college. he'll just have like a summer a summer home out yeah, in California. Summer in Los Angeles. I don't know. He's man. just like, oh man, I hope I don't run into Sean McVay while I'm out here. I could see him just being like, uh, you know, having like an apartment in Detroit. And just being like, yeah, this is where I work, but I live in Los Angeles. Anyway. Something uh, else to think about is uh, Matthew Stafford's wife has famously went on a Instagram or Facebook Live rant talking about how much she didn't like the dictatorship of, of Detroit and, and Michigan. Mm-hmm. But she's moving to, to arguably the most liberal area of the United States. If that was a dictatorship, she is in for just a, a rude awakening. Yeah, I know, uh, TJ, your, uh, your significant other, she is uh, from Detroit. And I know uh, she has passionate feelings about, about the Lions and Matt Stafford and Kelly Stafford. How's, uh, how's, how's Colleen taking all this? Oh, uh, we going to the Colleen corner? Yeah, we're going to the Colleen corner. How how she taken the Lions' recent moves? Uh, she herself is not a huge football fan, but her dad is a Lions fan, 
And what I gather is the Lions suck. Now they really <laughs> suck. And I think that's what it's like just being a Lions fan. Yeah, I've heard a lot of Lions fans just being like, you know, hopeful that Stafford can get a ring. Like, you know, they know that they're a pit of misery and they just want their boy to, to get one. You know, get you, got to get yourself one of these. Um, Couldn't do it with them. Maybe he can get it somewhere else. But lots, lots of quarterback drama. That's not the only quarterback drama. That's just what's. That's not even the juiciest quarterback drama. You know, Deshaun Watson, uh, Houston's quarterback, uh, Houston Texans. He wants out, and he's making it extremely apparent. Uh, the the Texans hired new general manager Jack Easterby from the uh, Patriots, and I, I guess he used to be like a Patriots, like, shadow advisor to Bill Belichick. Like, I think he was, he was officially, like, a team, like, chaplain or something like that, but he just held, like, super weight within the organization for, for like, the last 20 years. And so the Texans were like, oh, well, you know, we'll get this guy. He's just been, like, you know, a trusted uh, right-hand advisor to Belichick all these years. This will be great. Uh, and then he's been, I guess, leading Deshaun Watson on by saying, oh, we'll keep you – involved in all the hirings of offensive coordinators now that bill o'brien's gone and then watson was like all right i want this guy and they're like okay okay we'll take that into consideration and then after that well, no. it's it's important to remember that they're amidst all of the drama that the texans have brought onto themselves really uh was also included trading away somebody who is considered maybe one of the best wide receivers in the game Hopkins. uh getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins. So you take a quarterback and you trade away his favorite weapon. And then the the guy responsible for that horrible decision is fired. Hooray. Let's talk about a rebuild. Let's rebuild this team together. And then to just basically shut that door in the quarterback's face. It's hard to, it's hard to trust an organization after, after moves like that. Watson is, by far the best quarterback that the Houston Texans have ever had in their 20 year history. Uh, I know, you know, you might take umbrage with that statement, TJ, uh, Brock Osweiler. I don't take any umbrage. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of the Houston Texans. I firmly believe that if Brock Osweiler remained a Bronco, I think that uh, things could have turned out differently for the Denver organization. And maybe we'll save that for the I'm being salty episode. But there was, there was a turnstile there, though. Aside from Osweiler, there was uh, Savage was uh, in there for a little bit in the mix. And uh, it's, it was just a calamity of errors. Um, but Watson brought some stability. He is obviously an enormous talent. And he, it's just turned toxic. It doesn't seem realistic that he will be their quarterback in 2021. And he's uh, he's made a list of uh, where he wants to go. It seems like well, he's got a he's got a no trade clause, so he will be able to dictate where he goes. Um, if they yeah trade him, if he they trade him, trade because him. they don't have to trade him, but he also doesn't have to play. He, he, that's true. But He's he already have, made enough money to not play. I mean, I don't know his finances. I don't know what he spends, what his, uh, what his income output is. Like, I know he makes a ton, but what, what's he spending on his mansion? Uh, I know it would be a fat uh, 
cut to his wallet if he actually sits out this next season, when, which there have been rumors of, is that he might be willing to do that if he doesn't get what he wants. But uh, that, would, that would just be such a mountain of fines, I feel like, in the, in the millions of dollars. I don't know if he could eat that. So uh, he, in 2017, he signed a four-year, $13.84 million deal that had an $8.2 million signing bonus. And then in September of this past year, he signed a four-year, $156 million extension that came with a $27 million signing bonus. So he's got at least $27 million. All right. Hey. You know, if he if he wants to sit out the season, all power to him. Um, I think it likelier that they they figure something out and and get him somewhere else. Uh, it seems like we may be seeing him in the AFC East somewhere. I know he's expressed uh, that he might like to go to the New York Jets. I think mean, he likes the idea of New York City. It's, and, this is going to be the juiciest uh, like off season talk until something real happens. I feel like every hour. I get some kind of new update about where he might go. Uh, the Jets are uh, in a lot of the headlines. The 49ers uh, have been uh, in a lot of these talks. Now, I just now Googled Deshaun Watson, and I see NBC is throwing out this, are the Raiders plotting to trade Derek Carr to pursue Deshaun Watson? So are the, Ra- are the Raiders willing to throw away their franchise QB to the Texans? in order to secure Deshaun. And, you know, I, I may like to see him end up in Denver, get like a reverse Osweiler thing going on. Uh, uh, so I'm, hearing, uh, I'm hearing Miami as well. They've got a lot of draft picks. And, uh, Tua, and Tua. Tua had a mediocre rookie season. I mean, you know, he was competing against two other rookie quarterbacks that had prolific first seasons in Herbert and Joe Burrows. Um, but Tua didn't look amazing. And I think uh, Miami might jump on a chance to get uh, Watson when, you know, they were making really big strides this year with Tua not having the best year coming in midseason for Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and it's, it's just got to suck for Houston because it's so, so, so hard to be able to find the guy. I know. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about it over and over on this podcast that, you know, there's there's 60 people in the world that are like good enough to get paid doing this. And Deshaun Watson is probably in the top, top five, easy top 10, maybe top five of those people right now. So if you got a chance to get a guy who can do what he can do, you do everything you can to get that guy. Yep. We'll see where he ends up. Um, But yeah, lots of, lots of quarterback drama. And yeah, I mean, we got this, and we got the Super Bowl, and otherwise, uh, you know, we have the draft to look forward to. So I, I am eating up this uh, this drama. Uh, what I did not enjoy, though, uh, was how we got to the Super Bowl. We uh, Lots of drama. Since, since our last podcast, I think our last podcast was previewing the AFC-NFC championship games. Right. Uh, we made a sweaty bet on the AFC championship game. Uh, those games have come and passed, and uh, there's a lot of heartache on my end, both games. Uh, start out, just rip off the Band-Aid. My, uh, my Green Bay Packers, they, they lost to the Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a bad showing by, uh, by Green Bay. Uh, the, the coaching has been criticized quite a bit uh, for 
kicking a, a, a field goal late in the fourth quarter when on the uh, eight yard line. Yeah, uh, when you have Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers himself has thrown shade at Lafleur, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, saying, "Well, I thought I had four chances." You know, people were criticizing Rodgers. Hey, why didn't you run with it on that? You know, second, third down play instead of tossing it and trying to get it in and, you know, when it looked like he had maybe some open room to run. And uh, he said, well, I figured I could do that on fourth down. And just kind of let let it sit there. Uh, yeah, and a lot of the criticism stems from the fact that uh, either you go for the touchdown and if you get it, then you're going to have to kick the ball off and then trust that your defense is going to make a stop to force overtime. Or you go for it and you don't get the touchdown but then you're going to have to trust your defense to make a stop, and then you can score with good field position. Kicking the field goal meant that you needed to score a touchdown and get the stop anyway. So why not just go for it? Yeah, it was uh, it was a tough game overall as well. I mean, we had the, the Packers had three opportunities from Tom Brady throwing interceptions to to build a lead, wasted them all, um, and the Packers' offensive line was uh was poor it was not only poor it was porous uh people it were just porous right and and that tampa bay offensive line was strong man it was holding i feel like tom brady had all the time in the world and it seemed like any time the packers defense was running like man defense was when tom brady just decided to let a route develop and launch uh, a prayer throw that just always seemed to hit and that's just the kind of superpowers that tom brady has exactly um the final score ended up being tampa bay 31 green bay 26 uh after the game i i was pretty down in the dumps immediate aftermath i had basically my my head in my hands and uh, i had both you tj and my own my own significant other uh shelby you know I thought consoling me, but in, instead I was saying, oh, I can't believe Tom Brady did this to me. I can't believe he came to the NFC, the bad man. He found my conference. He found my NFC championship. He took us out again. And you both were just being like, hey, hey, bud, you know, it wasn't all Tom Brady. Your team just sucked, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't uh, be giving Tom Brady too much credit. You got yeah. to look inward. I, I just remember, yeah, I don't know if it was you or Shelby, but someone was just like, hey, you know, he threw three interceptions. What more can you ask for the guy to, like, hand it to you on a plate? And I'm just like, God damn it. Uh, it so it hurts was, because it's true. It was, it was a tough one to swallow. Uh, that was the NFC Championship game. So Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are advancing to the Super Bowl, and this has become the week of crazy Tom Brady stats. Apparently, you know, since – Peyton Manning has retired. Tom Brady's been to after a Super Bowl victory in 2015 with the yeah, Broncos. Just five years ago, this is going to be Tom Brady's fourth Super Bowl appearance, and and Peyton Manning, his longtime rival, is going into the Hall of Fame now, uh, like this year. And since then, Tom Brady has had an an entire additional Hall of Fame career. Um, so Jesus Christ. Uh, it, yeah, that that is absolutely insane. Just just his career since 2015 is Hall of Fame worthy. Exactly, um, it's absolutely bonkers. And he brings with him uh, his old pal Rob Gronkowski uh, from the Patriots. He dragged him along to Tampa Bay, and it, he's proven everybody uh, that 
proving to everybody that he can do this wherever he wants. Maybe not wherever he wants. He went into a pretty sweet situation in Tampa Bay with a lot of weapons. Uh, but, you know, he's getting everything he wanted. He's getting the fairy tale ending if he wants this to be the ending. And that's absolutely crazy. Tom Brady's the GOAT. Uh, but we have a future GOAT in the AFC, too. Um, yeah, we, we've got a, a future GOAT. I will just do a quick AFC yeah. Championship recap. Open Chiefs versus Bills. Uh, also the sweaty bet game. Uh, so it looked like, Ethan, there was a chance, at least in the first quarter, that it seemed like you were going to come out as the victor here. Uh, the Bills took an early nine-point lead after scoring a field goal and then capitalizing on a muffed punt in the first quarter. They did miss the extra point, which would have made it 10-0. to zero. Uh, But then uh, it seemed to me that the the, the only – the way that Patrick Mahomes is just going to go off is if he's just like in like a crazy situation, like being down nine points from the first quarter, the chiefs proceeded to score 21 straight points, uh, as Mahomes just continues to feed Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill until the bills defense basically just couldn't handle it anymore. Uh, the chiefs end up winning the game 26 to 17. I win the sweaty bet. And I'll say it was so strange. Even watching the Bills go up nine to zero in the first quarter, it still felt like the, it was like a sure thing that the Chiefs were going to win. Which is weird because watching them play the Browns, I actually remember feeling very worried that this game could go either way, and it, and it came down to the wire. But for some reason, it just it almost seemed like a sure thing that Patrick Mahomes was going to head back to the Super Bowl. So now we have. Mahomes, who was the league MVP two years ago, Super Bowl MVP and winner last year, facing off against the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, Tom Brady, this weekend. And insane. Um, and, you know, we're talking about insane kind of what-the-fuck stats, uh, WTF stats, you know, with Tom Brady. You know, I brought up Gronk. What's crazy to me is that Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey are the same age. They're both 31. Um, and I heard Rob Gronkowski kind of paying homage to, to Kelsey this week with all the media going on. Uh, you know, Gronkowski obviously is, is a Hall of Famer. They're both Hall of Fame tight ends that are going to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, difference is that Rob Gronkowski was kind of a human phenomenon immediately in his career. Um, some say like 2011. He had possibly like the best season for a tight end we'll ever see. I think like over like 1,300, maybe not 13, but over 1,000 yards receiving. And he had 17 touchdown receptions, I believe. And absolutely incredible. Um, but since he's, you know, he's kind of, he's gotten older and he retired last year. And the last year or two before that retirement, he was kind of looking like kind of a broken, uh, broken guy. A lot of injuries, ankle, back kind of took their toll. Um Kelsey, on the other hand, absolutely, like, he seems like he's getting better every single year. Uh, I know, TJ, you've had him in fantasy for, like, the last five years, and you, I've seen it through your fantasy team. He's been getting better every year. Absolutely. Um, and it's only helping, I think, that his chemistry with Patrick Mahomes is just that. They're just, like, it seems to me like they've got to just be really, really good buddies on and off the field. I remember uh, listening to a mic'd up 
from, I want to say last year. I can't remember which game it was, but I'd like to find it where uh, Mahomes just threw just an absolute dime to Travis Kelsey, who had basically gone as like a, a rogue runner and just ran his own route. And it turned into this like amazing gain for a touchdown. And Kelsey mic'd up is on the sideline, just like walking up to Patrick Mahomes going, how did you know I was going to be there, man? That's crazy. I just started running and I turned around and the ball was right there. How did you know I was going to be there? And it seems like they do that four or five times a game now. And it's just making it so that uh, Kelsey is just throwing up crazier and crazier stats. What is your prediction for this Super Bowl? I predict that the Kansas City Chiefs will beat the Buccaneers by a score of 31 to 24. All right. All right. Um, Yeah, I think it is going to be a high-scoring Super Bowl. I think that these quarterbacks, like that's just what it's going to turn. This is going to be an air it out kind of thing. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that Tampa Bay wins this. Um, I just think that Tom Brady magic, he's just going to pull it out one more time, and he's going to somehow end his career with the, the more victories over Mahomes in the playoffs and cement the GOAT status by taking out the young, the young buck. Um, I'm going to go with final score. I'm going to go 28-21 Tampa Bay. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what what happens there. I know uh, I already owe you, TJ, a a, a little a little uh, victory drink from our last sweaty bet. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't work out for me with the Buffalo Bills again last week. A lot of a lot of sadness in in my camp. Uh, but I will try to I'll try to gain that back. And uh, I'll I'll take on a wager. Maybe not with these exact scores, but uh, yeah. Let's let's game, let's do a. Uh... Yeah, let's let's do a bet for just the winner. Not the scores necessarily, but the winner. I'll take Tampa. You want Kansas City. Sound good? I, I want it. All right. All right. It's in the books. And uh, otherwise, let's let's lay out some recommendations before we depart this podcast. Uh, I'm going to throw out a, an album that's been getting a lot of press. Uh, I feel like Weezer has been doing the circuit for promotion with their new album, OK Human. Um which is a, you know, it's a Weezer album, but they've got a lot of or- orchestral background, a lot of uh, symphony-type music that they're, they're rocking over. And uh, it, it's got some uh, really, really good jams. There's one single in particular that's been in my head nonstop and uh, called All My Favorite Songs. It's uh, just ridiculously catchy. And it's, it's kind of a sad song, but it's got like a really upbeat tune. And it's like, all my favorite songs are slow and sad. And I'm just like, got that going in my head. And I'm like, you know, depressing kind of lyrics, but I'm just like, you know, skipping and dancing around the kitchen while I cook to it. And uh, really good, uh, really catchy music. And uh, just, you know, some classic. It's almost ironic that, that your favorite song, which you said yourself is kind of sad, yeah. is called All My Favorite Songs where the the singer is expressing that all of his favorite songs are sad. Yep. I mean, hey, that, it's the lead single. You know, they're doing it on purpose. And, and uh, Rivers Cuomo, the lead singer for Weezer, uh, he kind of, he's, he, I don't know the right way to put this, but he, he's done like this press circuit where I read like an NPR article, like interview with him. 
and he was talking about his music writing process and it seems really like mathematical these days like he's just got kind of like an idea bank that he's been cultivating like a data like warehouse throughout the last decade or two and uh you know he just kind of mathematically puts together his songs and it's very data driven at this point and i'm just you know i'm singing i'm like this is a catchy song and i'm just like man like how much like of the old romantic like you know guy strumming a guitar you know in a in a you know creek by a creek kind of thing actually went into creating this or was he just like grabbing ideas from a computer file and like i can put together a banger um but either way you know he put together a banger so what can I say? I'm enjoying it. Uh, TJ, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, that's really what matters is, is whether you like it or not. You can you can attribute uh, math or, or data or whatever science or, or emotion or algorithm to it. It's a, is it does it get the people going? If the answer is yes, then that's really all that matters. Um, it's provocative. Yeah, it is provocative. Man, I wasn't trying to, like, have us both be recommending like music stuff. Because I was going to, but maybe I'll save that for a future pod. Instead, what I'll recommend is a documentary that is available at least on Hulu. It is called Ramen Heads. Uh, it is. I watched it this week. It's been on my watch list for like a really long time. I just hadn't actually sat down to to watch it. But I myself consi- I consider myself to be a ramen head. Uh, Moving to Portland, I was super excited to finally actually go to a real ramen shop and experience it. Uh, So this documentary is, uh, it's called Ramen Heads. It's basically, it does highlight a lot of really cool ramen shops that exist in Japan. It kind of talks about the history and cultural significance of ramen, uh, specifically dealing with like post-World War II Japan needing to rebuild. Uh, And so ramen was kind of just considered like a quick and easy meal for these working men to just consume that would provide them enough energy to keep working throughout the day to help them basically rebuild the country. And then, you know, from there, it became just kind of like a, a, a more refined and culturally significant meal. And it mostly follows the... Uh, career of one particular ramen chef who has won uh, at the beginning of the documentary three of these ramen awards in the in a row at the end he wins a fourth one his name's osamu tomita and it just kind of goes through his day-to-day uh, uh interactions with his staff and and the goings-on of his restaurant just kind of how ramen has affected and changed his life super cool even if you're not a ramen head it's an interesting documentary from a historical and cultural standpoint and uh i don't know it makes me want to eat a bunch of ramen hell yeah love it and uh, i love me some ramen so yeah i might check that out uh okay everybody uh so get your uh you know st- album stream with weezer and uh get your documentary fix with ramen head on hulu and we will see you all next week um so our next episode we'll we'll see when that comes out but hopefully we'll get a super bowl recap out uh not too long after next weekend uh until then though keep sweating